quite unusual. Welcome, welcome to the Quite Unusual podcast. We are Nicole. And I am Noelle. And we'd like to welcome you to the podcast where we talk about spooky shit while sitting in a haunted attic, which I think by now we have confirmed that is in fact haunted. Considering last episode, if you listened, <laughs> and if you haven't, go do that. Like, but, why didn't you do it already? Right? Like, why Please are, do it. Why are you listening to this episode without listening to the last one? You skipped one. Nobody knows. But last episode, we had so many creaks. And actually, I think, Noelle, you called out in the episode yeah. and immediately after we heard two taps, which I swear were not us. It, like, came from the ceiling. Yeah. So it's legit. It's, it happened. It is fucking legit because I've seen this ghost that's so many true. times. It, that's also des- described in our last episode. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, but can we be serious for one second yes. right now? Yes, of course. Honestly, Nicole, uh-huh. I love you. I love yeah. you so much. Okay. <laughs> I love your love of ghosts. Okay. Okay. We need to chill the fuck out with the ghost talk. Why? Because, dude, what if, like, the house gets, like, unlivable and it's, like, paranormal activity shit? And then, you know what? I was watching TV and there was a fly on the TV the other day. And I was like, wow, great. My house is haunted. It was a fucking ghost fly. The house is going to fill up with flies. I'm going to invite a priest over just for, like, tea or coffee or something. I won't. But, and then he's going to light on fire. It was just a fly. Okay, but I'm just saying, like, can we, like, can you stop fucking summoning ghosts in my house? <laughs> I'm not summoning anything. I love you so much. I do. I don't. Okay. I left my mm-hmm. Ouija board at home today. Normally I bring it, but today I left this it. This is one Ouija we don't want. <laughs> can we please? Okay, it's just like, I don't know. And then I saw her, and I feel just like the ghost is, like, venturing downstairs or something. And I'm just yeah. getting spooked up, man. She's, and I just. Maybe she just wants to be the third host of the podcast i mean she can but like i don't like it we both just look to like the one wall where she is where she's where she's been known to uh that's where she haunts where she haunts she's here so anyways (laughs) we teased this episode a little bit last week when we did our chatty episode and we'd actually like to hear what you thought about that. Do you guys like more research? Do you like more personal stories? Do you like a combination of both? Let us know, right? Let us know. Hit, hit us up on the social medias, mm-hmm. which I had someone tell me that they didn't know what a DM was and they had to Google it. Oh, I know it was so nice. So hit us up on the social media websites. The social medias. And direct message us, mm. a.k.a. DM us. Um, slippery slide in there or email us at quite unusual pod at gmail.com and just honestly let us know what yeah. you thought of it because it was very different than our regular format right but sort of fun we're trying it out we want to see what you guys think but yeah. this week we are going to saddle up yeehaw for a two-parter boy howdy <laughs> on a little 480 acre parcel of land known as Skinwalker Ranch. You can rent if you want to. You can leave your skin behind. Because your friends don't dance. And if they don't dance, well, there's no skinwalker of mine. That was a stretch. Please cut this part. I thought you were going <laughs> to... 
not cutting it. No. I thought you were going to change out dance for ranch. And then oh. I was like, ooh. We can ranch if we want to. You can leave your friends behind. Because if your friends don't ranch and if they don't ranch, whether no, no skinwalker of mine. Dang. Do we like that? Yeah. That was really nice. Yeah. Anyways, this topic is uh, very, very thick. Some people could spell it with two C's. Yes. I think everyone does. She a thick girl. So, so much information. So, we honestly, we were just chatting before and we're like, should we make this a three-parter? I I mean. I think we might be forced to. Yeah. Like, to be honest. It's a lot of shit going on with Skinwalker Ranch. If you don't know about it or haven't heard about it. Dude, I am freaking pumped up. (laughs) Like, this is like my fucking jam. I know. Before we started recording, which we probably should have been recording, I was going off on how I could get so obsessed with Skinwalker Ranch that I could fucking move to Utah. Well, you were also saying that you're... She was like, I'm afraid of ghosts, but... Like, I'm not afraid of skinwalkers. I'm like, you're not a... If you should be afraid of one thing in life, no. it should be skinwalkers over ghosts. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, <laughs> I am terrified of the ghosties. Yeah. And I'm very scared of skinwalkers. Okay. In a respectful way. It's like, I see it's you. you. she wants to be one. Okay, you know what? <laughs> We're gonna... We will get into it when we have to talk about how you become a skinwalker. Yeah, it's a And little... how... I sort of like want to be one, but also how I, you don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I I don't blame you for that. I mean, okay. I'm fucking pumped though. Like for real, like Mm -hmm. mama loves aliens. Mama loves cryptids. Mama loves folklore. I'm mama in this scenario. (laughs) And I feel like Skinwalker Ranch perfectly marries all of my favorite things together. Yeah, it Honestly has everything. It's like Mothman. Mothman had literally everything. Yeah, and a tight ass. And a thick ass. <laughs> with two C's. Two C's. Oh, double thick. Dang. Yes. So Skinwalker Ranch is basically a swirling vortex of paranormal activity in the heart of the Utah Basin, smack dab in the middle of Utah. 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 I will tell us a little bit about what a fantastical place this is. But first, before we start, I just want to mention that a lot of the best information that we found on the story is from a book called Hunt for the Skinwalker. Colon. Colon. Science confronts the unexplained at a remote ranch in Utah. And this book is written by... Colm A. Kelleher and George Knapp. And it's a fantastic book, and everyone should read or listen to it because it's free on Hoopla right now. It if is you have free the on Hoopla. Hoopla app. Which it's, I fucking love the Hoopla app. We're not sponsored by Hoopla, but hey, Hoopla. God, but it's so great. It's so great. And the book is really, really great. Yes. And also, mm-hmm. I just want to go on record saying that I really love the name Colm Kelleher. Right. I don't know. Something about it just like. Colm. Calm. It makes you so calm. Calm. Was that a... (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Should we just... Let's just just get into it. Um, Yeah. yeah. We're just going to... We're just going to move past that. Yeah. Erase that from discretion. memory. (laughs) Okay. So let's start at the beginning where all good legends start, I feel. Yes. That's where they start. (laughs) Usually. When you hear the name Skinwalker Ranch, the first thing you probably wonder is... What the heck is a skinwalker? Yep, definitely crossed my mind. 
Well, my friends, to tell the story of the Skinwalker, first you have to understand where it comes from. You see, the seeds for the Skinwalker had been planted along with the long conflict between the native inhabitants of the American Southwest and the colonizers that came through to seize their lands unrightfully. That's usually how it goes. The theme of the world is colonizers gonna colonize. You say colonizers? I just like it because colon's like a butthole. <laughs> I was gonna say, you do know it's like colonizers. I know it's colonizer. Coloni- okay, colonizers. But like... <laughs> buttholeizers. Poopy buttholes. <laughs> so as the Spanish settlers stormed the deserts of the Southwest, they brought with them the typical colonizer... God, that's going to annoy people. I'll go back to colonizer. (laughs) They brought with them the typical colonizer presence of, one, forced religion, because Mm. that's super fun. Yes. Foreign diseases, because that's just another grab bag of fun. And, of course, slavery, the whites' favorite thing. So cringy. Eager to align themselves with the Spanish and make a little extra cash on the side, some Native American tribes got into the slave trade also. I read that it was mainly the Ute tribe that captured the Navajo, but I also saw that the Navajo captured the Piotes. So it just sort of seems like this lame-ass hierarchy of, like, the more peaceful a tribe is, the more they get screwed over by more warfaring tribes. Yeah, it seems like the Utes and the Navajos were both culprits of the whole capturing another person and selling them into slavery. And the Piotes just kind of got screwed because they weren't assholes. Yeah, they were like, can we just all be friends? Just, and everyone said no. Yeah, it's very sad, but... Yeah, it's okay. super sad. Well, the Navajo saw the Utes as betrayers to their kind, so they decided that they needed a plan, not only to protect themselves, but also to prevent anything worse from happening. So this is when the Navajo decided that they needed the help of the Skinwalker. Now, in my opinion, the Skinwalker is the most metal of all the fucking cryptids. (laughs) Like, in my book, it's like... I don't know, sort of this bastardization of, like, human life, if you will. Yeah, it's super intense. And, like, once you go Skinwalker, there is no way to go back. Like, literally, though. There's no way. Also, other cryptids, I mean, they're just doomed to be in their cryptid form forever, right? Right. But Skinwalkers have the ability to change back, whereas, like, Bigfoot is just fucking Bigfoot, and he'll always be Bigfoot. So... He was born with big feet, and that's not his fault, and we shouldn't malign him, okay? It is very hard to find a women's size 14. It's very hard. It is. But also, like, I don't see Bigfoot as being, like, an evil dude. Like, I just picture him as, like, a dopey, like, like, you know? Right. Like, he's just sort of like another animal like he's us. in his life. But S- skinwalkers, they're fucking intense yes they're scary as shit they're super scary and i almost feel like the skinwalker sort of lives in a world between krypton and human Ooh, i like that like i I said it's just like a true bastardization to me yes at its simplest definition a skinwalker is a shape-shifting witch Hmm. super simple right (laughs) (laughs) look at her laugh (laughs) not simple at all a skinwalker can turn into any animal that they desire, and in doing so, they inherit the attributes of that animal. Like an eagle can fly, a rabbit runs super, super fast, and they're just adorable. <laughs> a bear is really strong, and the wolf is the most cunning of all. 
I will say that I think it's hilarious that they can turn into any animal. Like, their possibilities are endless. Like, what if you, as a skinwalker, your animal of choice, like, what's, like, the most ridiculous animal? What if you were, like, all right, I'm a skinwalker, right? (laughs) My favorite animal is the sea sponge. (laughs) Right? And you're just a fucking sea sponge. You're just, like, sea sponge. And then do you die because you're on land? No one knows. Can sea sponges breathe air? How does a sea sponge work? Any listeners know? Marine <laughs> biologist listeners, please tell me because I don't know how I'm sea sponges sure work. pretty sure you need water to live, but yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Or like, I want to yeah. be a duckling. And then you could just like yeah. be a duckling for a day, which is so cute. Mm. Or like a pigeon. What if you're like a giant pigeon, though? <laughs> well, then I think that it's worth it. Then, like a be. massive one, yeah. and like you steal like whole loaves of bread instead of just like little bites of it. You steal people instead of bread, or <laughs> just the whole baker. Yes. All right, we're getting too off topic yeah, we need here. To, we need to get back into the story. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you can again turn into whatever you want, I guess. But mind you, there's. This isn't like an ordinary werewolf style shapeshifter situation. Mm-hmm. What started as a way for the Navajo to actually spy on the Spanish in plain sight became corrupted and twisted into something much more evil. Mm-hmm. The Navajo word for a skinwalker is yi nadloshi, which translates to it goes on all fours. Pretty simple. Just, you know, a person. Mm-hmm. On all fours, right? Right. But the term is never, ever used for a healer, only for evil, harmful spellcasters. So you can't be a skinwalker and be a good person. No, no, no. Okay. You're not a good guy. Not a good guy. Not a good guy. <laughs> the Navajo don't like to talk about the skinwalker, and they even suspect those asking about where you could find a skinwalker or like who around here is a skinwalker. It's just like asking too many questions. Mm. They suspect them of actually being a skinwalker looking for their next victim. So it's really hard to come by stories from actual tribal members. To the Navajo, it's not a matter of believing in a skinwalker. Like, they exist, for sure. Right. Like, they're as real as you or I or the Matrix. But they (laughs) will not share their stories, and they totally avoid discussing the matter with anyone outside of the tribe. Yeah, I found that too. There's, for as much as everyone talks about skinwalkers and, you know, in movies and TV shows, like, if you watch Supernatural, they Mm -hmm. have a whole episode on skinwalkers. If you watch True Blood, they have, they have shapeshifters, but, you know, those shapeshifters can transform themselves into skinwalkers, which you'll get into how that happens later, but it's in movies and television all of the time but the actual information regarding skinwalkers there isn't a lot because the navajo don't want people to know like they they don't share their secrets with everyone who aren't navajo and it's actually probably for very good reason if you think about it oh for sure yeah like like we know basically how to become a skinwalker Mm -hmm. but like we don't know know how to become a skinwalker and that's probably for the fucking best because (laughs) that information like that's like proprietary nobody needs to know that no that doesn't need to be out in the world right and there's a there's a reason why they're keeping this information from us let's just put it that way for sure for sure 
So the skinwalkers, like I said, were first created as a way to help the tribe stay safe. And they would use them to, like, spy on their enemies. So, mm-hmm. like I said, it's a shapeshifter. You can turn into anything you want. Right. So you're just, like, popping into, like, a little duckling body, <laughs> right? And, like, waddling over to the Spanish and being like, what are you doing, fucker? Oh, adorable. So cute and so spyful, right? <laughs> yes. So they would use it sort of in, like, a positive way. Yeah. They wanted to prevent something even worse from happening than what already was happening with the whole slave trade situation. Mm-hmm. But something worse did happen. And here is where we enter the long walk of the Navajo. This refers to the attempt of ethnic cleansing and relocation of the Navajo people by the United States federal government. This happened in 1864. And we aren't really taught like in school the truth. No. Everything is not at all. Everything is super whitewashed and made to seem less sentimental and horrific than it absolutely was. Mm -hmm. But now there's been a real push to educate people of this country to the real truth. And I think that that is long overdue. Right. Like I can't really we can't speak for what they're teaching in school now because obviously we're not in school. But if you I don't know if your school did this, but I remember when I was in second grade our class was separated into two groups. We were the pilgrims and the Indians. Oh. And we were, we had to make whatever group you were in. You had mm-hmm. to make uh, cardboard construction paper headdresses or pilgrim hats if you were in the pilgrims. And like, just talk about cultural appropriation. Like, oh, right. It's ridiculous what we actually were taught in school to think about now. Dude, so, so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I'll straight up admit it. As a child, I dressed up like a Native American so many times for (laughs) Halloween. And now I'm just looking back and I'm like, whoa, where was I going? Coachella? Like, chill out. (laughs) So on the long walk, Navajo were forced to walk from their land in what is now Arizona to the eastern part of New Mexico. This is about 400 miles and they had to do it on foot. On foot. Yes. Some 53 different forced marches occurred between August of 1864 and the end of 1866. This resulted in somewhere between 6,000 and 8,000 people. The records are not great from this. Mm -hmm. Being forced to live on a 40-acre parcel of land, which was not unlike an internment camp. Yeah, it sounds exactly like an internment camp, actually. They went from, like, the entire state of Arizona. Right. Multiple tribes just all forced into this very small area. It's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. The march itself claimed the lives of hundreds of Navajo people and just other tribe members as well. Mm -hmm. Along with the aforementioned exotic diseases, famine, poor weather, and murder at the hands of the whites, people were just dropping like flies. Super, super sad. This is where we see a shift in the Navajo culture away from the ways of the witch. As we know, witches throughout history, spanning all corners of the globe, have long been regarded as evil or nefarious in some sort of way. In Navajo culture today, it's no different. Witches are considered evil, contrary to shaman or medicine men, which are considered good. Mm -hmm. As their people died, the Navajo began to believe that it was the presence of witches that had brought them such bad luck. Anyone suspected of being a witch were killed as a result in hopes that it would end the bad luck and cleanse the land of evil spirits. Over 40 people were killed in what would be called the Navajo Witch Purge of 1878. One unlucky soul even had their stomach cut open and had witch paraphernalia wrapped in the broken government treaty stuffed inside of their stomach. Like, holy symbolism. 
Am I right? I'm not sure what constitutes a thing as a witch artifact to the Navajos back in the day, but I guess if we're talking about like nowadays, like basic bitch wannabe witch shit. Yeah. Picture crystals and an unethically sourced bundle of sage because every goddamn idiot today thinks now that owning crystals and burning sage makes them a witch. Yeah. So I guess it's the cool thing to do now. Seriously, witches are like cool? They are cool, but it's not just like a thing that you buy at a store that makes you one. Totally. I mean, I, I will say that thank God for science, though, because I feel like everything back in the day that went wrong was just blamed on witches. For sure. But now it's like, oh, well... Science can explain why yes. all of these crops died. It wasn't witches. So if I was alive back in the day, I probably would be dead. I would be labeled a witch for sure and killed. Well, if you stop painting your fingernails black, I mean, that's <laughs> the, the first only step. color that looks good. <laughs> the Navajo were once again allowed to return to their ancestral lands when the government was just like, oops, we made a mistake. Here's your land back. Well, at least at, the, at least they did that. I that's mean, true. I've, that's not a common thing for the government to admit that they were in the wrong. I so. almost feel like this was the only time that ever happened. Probably. The Navajo people decided to settle in Utah, where we now find the path of the skinwalker. So how does one become a skinwalker? Well, it's pretty freaking easy. All you have to do is murder a sibling or a close relative. Oh, that's easy? Or have them murdered. Oh, you just okay. have to be in the same room. <laughs> and then you have to have sex with their dead body. Super simple. Okay, we're on to step three now. And then you have to eat the body. Mm. You can't waste any parts, though. Like the Mm. soft tissue, you got to eat all of it. Okay, liver, lungs, all those meaty, meaty bones. Disgusting. You have to eat it, okay, in a ritualistic ceremony. And then the bones are dried out and they're ground into corpse powder. Mm, Corpse powder. Delicious. And then I guess you can just like... I don't know, do whatever you want with the hair and the fingernails. <laughs> Make like a cute, like a little wig. Like if you're like feeling a, like a sassy bob right. one day, you can just like pop that on. If you just want to like, you really wanted a mustache, but you can't grow one yourself. Totally. So you just like craft one. You just like murder your brother and yeah. then like rape totally. his body and then like eat his corpse and then like make his hair into like a cute little mustache. Totally simple. And then once that ritual is complete, you have the power of the skinwalker. So congrats, honey. Wow. Once you have the power of the skinwalker, you have to learn and hone your craft. I saw one story that said that clans of skinwalkers would go out into the desert at night and practice changing into different animals to sort of like get it right. So like they would transform into like a fox and then like kind of like watch each other, like run around like little foxes and Uh be like, no, 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 you're doing it wrong. That's not how a fox runs. (laughs) So they would like Google how does a fox Well, it was the 1800s, so no, they didn't Google it. okay. (laughs) But but they would kind of like give each other like animal lessons, I guess, if you will. Okay. I don't know. It seems sort of fun, like a fun little bonding exercise. It's like you guys all got to eat your brother's corpse together. And now you get to, like, practice being a, a duckling. Yeah. I mean, if you're not bonded by it but from eating your brother's corpse, I mean, sure, let's practice how to be a fox. It's like a team-building exercise. <laughs> totally. The physical appearance of the skinwalker is marked by the glowing eyes, which are said to even glow an orangey-red during the daytime. Oh. 
There are stories of people shining a light out into the desert at night and seeing red eyes glowing off in the distance back at them. The people who live in the path of the skinwalker do not venture out at night because they know what's out there. Mm. And I saw somewhere um, that someone said the night is for them, not the us. Yeah. But don't don't uh, animal eyes like gr- glow? Not red. Think white? about like when you see your cat at night; it's got its eyes are white, sometimes or green, it's like wh- reddish. Well, she's a freaking skinwalker. <laughs> My cat's a skinwalker. Actually. Makes sense. You better watch out. I mean. Next time she like jumps in your lap and you're like, oh my God, hi, you're so cute. And she just like transforms into like a full size Navajo man and like eats you. (laughs) Hey. I'll miss you. But you know, you fell into that one. It was worth it. As we talked about before, the skinwalker started as a way to help the tribe, but soon became corrupted into evil, selfish beasts whose intention is to only spread misery and misfortune. The skinwalker became sort of a weapon, if you will. People would pay the skinwalker to steal from others or even murder on their behalf. The skinwalker is said to have had the power of mind control as well, using their powers to manipulate others into murder, sort of like a murder by proxy situation, Mm. or having their targets complete suicide and just, I don't know, sort of two birds, one stone situation. With the act of murder, necrophilia, and cannibalism that it took to become a skinwalker, The evil sort of like stacks and compounds, if you will. Mm -hmm. So the need to kill just sort of like doubles and you gain more power the more you kill and you get like kind of thirsty for it. So it's over and over like a vicious cycle. Like what's that snake that eats its tail? What's that called? You know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. But you know what I'm talking about. The snake that eats, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're able to kill a relative, fuck their dead corpse and then eat said dead corpse that you just violated i think you're capable of doing anything so (laughs) i'm gonna say it the worst part is eating something that you have just fucked (laughs) that's the worst part in this scenario (laughs) for you (laughs) (laughs) do i want to kill my siblings no i like them a lot right Mm -hmm. do i want to fuck their corpses i super fucking don't (laughs) i don't do i want to eat something that i just had sex with nicole no that's where I draw the line, okay? Yeah, yeah, all of those are hard no's for me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yes, I agree with all of that. And if the FBI is listening, I'm not going to kill my siblings and have sex with their corpse and then eat them. Yeah. Like, again, people, where where do we draw the line here? Okay, <laughs> skinwalkers are super, super secretive people because if you see the face of a skinwalker and you recognize them, they die. They just like totally die. If you're like, wait, hey, Joe. And Joe's I like, I saw you. Oh, shit. And then turn into like, a fucking dog. <laughs> and then he just turns to dust. Whoa. And Joe's gone. If you see a skinwalker and you look them in the eye, but you don't recognize them, they kill you so that you never get the chance to learn their identity and let their secret out. Mm. A favorite weapon of the skinwalker is the corpse powder, which we just talked about, which is made of the bones of, I guess, whoever they kill or specifically their first victim. I didn't see if they only get like sort of like the one corpse powder. You know what I mean? Or if they could just take any corpse and turn it into powder. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like to think that maybe like you just get the one Mm. and like whatever, like your brother's bones weigh, like that's as much corpse powder as you get so fatten them up before you decide to kill them well, his bones aren't gonna get them. fatter it's just more meat to eat 
True. When the powder is blown in your face and you breathe it in, your tongue swells and your tongue turns black. You convulse and then you eventually die. The cure for this is a tightly held secret by the Navajo, but one story I came across was about a man who had unknowingly encountered a skinwalker. He had been attacked by a giant wolf and he beat the wolf to death with a wooden board that he saw like just laying near him. I'm sorry, did this wolf do anything? It attacked him. him. Oh, okay. It was like a super giant wolf. Okay. And it just like came at him he like hardcore. Okay. So he beat it to death. Well, it was a skinwalker and he had inadvertent inadvertently breathed in some of the corpse powder, which is believed to have been just like in and around this animal's fur. Like it was sort of coated with it. Oh, weird. Okay. He began to feel sick and his tongue began to turn black. One of his Navajo friends actually called him and told him that a Navajo healer had reached out to the friend and warned him that his friend was in danger. So this Navajo healer had had like a premonition or like some sort of second sight about what had happened. Yeah. When the man's tongue began to swell and he started having convulsions, he agreed to go to the healer with his friend. Well, yeah, I think if your tongue turns black, that's the sign that you should probably go seek out some help. Like do something. Yeah. Do something. At least one thing. Yeah. Just one. Just one thing. Just one thing. If your tongue turns black, do one thing (laughs) to make that not happen anymore. The healer gave a man a special mixture of herbs to eat, and then he sent him on his way. The man began to foam at the mouth, vomit, and shit black goo and blood. (laughs) Oh, gross. The next day, he was healed. Like, he didn't feel great because he was just shitting black goo. (laughs) And his tongue was black. (laughs) Well, actually, his tongue went back to normal, and he was really lucky because if he hadn't been contacted by his friend, he definitely would have died. Right. Do you die or do you, you don't become a skinwalker? You die, right? You die. Okay. You're like super dead. <laughs> Some skeptics believe that a skinwalker is simply a case of clinical lycanthropy, which oh. if you remember from our werewolves and Bill Ramsey episode, yes. um, clinical lycanthropy is where a person thinks that they have the ability to shapeshift into usually like a wolf or something. Right. Or a baby duck. And then, I don't know, they just like do werewolf shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I just want to go on record here saying that I definitely believe in skinwalkers. Yeah. I think that they're fucking real. And if you haven't looked up a picture of a skinwalker, just do it right now and have nightmares later. And they scare the shit out of me, but I don't not want to be one. But I also just don't want to kill my brothers. Yeah. I Well, I'd rather... Well, werewolves and skinwalkers, I think, get the same, like, lumped in the same because... They can both change into wolves, but I think a skinwalker is like a whole other level. Like a werewolf is, I I guess if werewolves, werewolves are better, like better people than skinwalkers. (laughs) Wow. Okay. We're maligning skinwalkers now. I want to apologize to all our skinwalker listeners. Intense. You make the decision to become a skinwalker. A werewolf, you're like, well, I guess it's the same thing if like you put on the werewolf belt or whatever. Yeah. But you don't have to fucking like, Kill your mom yeah, and then yeah. have sex with her corpse and yeah. then eat her bones. So it's a whole other level. It's like at least one more level. Yes. And it, I don't know. It's just, it's really scary. And that's like, that's the exact word, <laughs> or I guess sound. Even the name Skinwalker. Yeah. Like I have skin and I walk around all the time, but don't call me a Skinwalker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now you know what a skinwalker is. 
Let's talk about the area that this ranch lies within just to sort of get an understanding. The ranch that is Skinwalker. The Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker Ranch is located in the Uintah Basin, which is in the northeastern part of the state of Utah. Known also as Sherman Ranch or Gorman Ranch. We'll get into that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And also known as UFO Ranch. That's the lamest one. <laughs> it's definitely the lamest like, one. Oh, I see a lot of UFOs there. I think we're going to call it a UFO Ranch. <laughs> The Uintah Basin is actually known as a hotspot for paranormal activity for years and years and years. So this area is just a lot of shit goes down here. Things such as UFOs, cattle mutilations, aliens, and even cryptids have all been reported within this huge stretch of land. But in the center of all of these crazy spooky things... Going on in this area is Skinwalker Ranch. The Uintah Basin is very removed from large cities. You can say it's sort of in the middle of nowhere. I think Utah's in the middle of nowhere, but this is really in the middle of nowhere. So if you've been to Utah, I mean, I've been to Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. This is... I. I think I searched it because I was like, how close was I when I was? I think it's like two, three-ish hours away. Yeah, it's pretty far. Yeah. The earliest report of something strange happening in the area is actually from a journal of a man. He's a priest, a father. Father Escalante, who was a Spanish missionary in 1776. Well, if he's a Spanish missionary, then he's Padre Escalante. Padre Escalante. And he is known for leading the first European party across the basin. He wrote in his journal about how he had spotted something shoot through the sky, almost like a fireball. It's hard to find anyone in the Uintah Basin who doesn't have some sort of experience or I guess at least knows somebody, a relative or somebody who has had an experience. That's how active this place is. In the documentary that I watched... It is actually, it has George Knapp, who is oh, the, I love George Knapp. the author, well, one half mm-hmm. of the author of The Hunt for the Skinwalker. And they refer to the Uintah Basin as a paranormal stew. Delicious. <laughs> I just, I think that that's amazing. And that's what I'm going to call it because I just love that. I also love that. And it's so true because it's really like anything you can think of paranormal wise yeah. is going on here for some reason. Straight up going down in the basin. So the core, or I guess the meat of this stew, this paranormal stew, is Skinwalker Ranch. It's Skinwalker meat. <laughs> Gross. Skinwalker Ranch is 480 acres of pure strangeness, and it's about three and a half miles southwest of Fort Duchesne, Utah. Duchesne is spelled like Duchesne, but it's pronounced Duchesne. Skinwalker Ranch also borders the Ute Indian Reservation. Skinwalker Ranch gets its name because it is said that the ranch falls on the path of the Skinwalker. And actually, the Ute people are forbidden to go on the land for that reason. The elders of the community have warned of the land for as long as, I mean, as long as the tribe has been a tribe. And a lot of people think that this is where the veil is the thinnest and that things such as you know creatures cryptids sometimes 
they have the ability to bleed through layers and come into our universe. So whether it's a crossing of dimensions or whatever, this the Yuntao Basin is considered a part where that is thin and just things are just able to come in and out whenever they please, which I also sort of love. I fucking love this. I heard it described as a thin place. Yes. Which is just the most fucking, it's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I don't know, it just brings me back to like Mothman, which I didn't know he was going to show up this much in this episode. There were so many similarities between this and and the Mothman story. Absolutely. Because it's just like this ability for like interdimensional beings to just like hula hoop their way in and out (laughs) through this door. Like it's a freaking limbo competition or whatever. I just had the best visualization (laughs) of like Bigfoot hula hooping into like Utah. Yeah. All of a sudden he just shows up and everyone's like, whoa. And he just like hula hoops out and he's like, bye. He's like, peace out. And then hula hooping on. And then like the door closes behind him. (laughs) But the hula hoop gets caught. No. And he's like, fuck. Fuck. And you kind of like see it like getting like pulled in and then it like <laughs> like through. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So a little background on the Utes. The Utes live in Utah, Colorado, and some parts of New Mexico. And for some time, like Noel said, they were enemies of the Navajos. Right. And the conflict wasn't helped with the arrival of the Europeans. War between the two were not great. Like Noel said, there was the slavery. Navajos were stealing youths to sell into slavery. Youths were stealing Navajos to sell into slavery. So it just wasn't very good all around. No, they like were not friends. Mm-mm. The feud between the two were not helped by the fact that the youths were being aided by a man named Kit Carson, whose job it was to take control of Navajo's land. So the youths pretty much helped him destroy homes destroy their crops, steal their livestock. And this kind of started the whole thing, which generated the long walk, which Noel talked about how the Navajos were then displaced from their land entirely. Right, which is another reason why the Ute people are so terrified of the Skinwalker. Because, like I said in the beginning, the Skinwalker was sort of like invented, if you will, Mm. to like be like a golem for the Navajo people. They use it to spy. They use it to attack the Utes to protect their people. So like the Skinwalker, the Navajo Skinwalker, is like Mm -hmm. a true enemy of the Ute people. Right. And so before the Navajo were obviously forced to relocate, it's said that they kind of left one last thing for the Utes to remember them by. And the Navajo were said to have put a curse on the Ute people And this curse was called the Skinwalker Curse. Whoa, I got goosebumps. The Ute people actually believed this because as soon as the Navajo left, the Utes started to experience skinwalkers, trouble with skinwalkers. It was directly after the Navajo left. So they attributed this to them leaving and them obviously cursing them. Right. Like in basically every Ute household, like when you open the door, there would have been a bucket of water at the top of the door that fell on your head. (laughs) And like the Navajo skinwalkers were just setting those up everywhere. It was insane. It was like water trap after water trap. And it was just prank on prank, you know? Prank on prank. (laughs) That is actually the, uh, the motto of the skinwalkers. It's just prank on prank. Prank on prank. Prank on prank. 
Another thing it's also said that during the four years, while the Navajos were displaced from their land, they were experiencing, you know, they couldn't find a water source. They were having trouble with crops, obviously, because they were uprooted from the land that they knew and brought to this, made to settle in this land that they didn't know. Right. So it's said that some of them turned to witchcraft and actually turned themselves into shapeshifters as sort of a way to try to like get away from all the horrible conditions that their tribe was facing. So they willingly turned themselves into skinwalkers to try to get away from all of like the famine and all of the disease that were plaguing their tribe. That makes sense. If you're an eagle, you can just fly away from your problems. Exactly. But imagine how bad your life has to be. I mean, which it obviously was extremely bad. Right. But imagine how bad your life has to be to, again, be like, hey, little sister, you want to go for a walk really quick? And like, you take your little sister for a walk and then you murder her and then you have <laughs> sex with her corpse and no. then you eat her freaking bones. No. So we went through all of the the witch hunts, the Navajos, you know, all of that stuff that Noel talked about. So in Navajo culture, witchcraft is just straight up not tolerated. They believe once a person delves into witchcraft, their humanity is gone and they just don't deserve to live. And their law actually states that the person should be killed. So the witch hunts happened, which I feel like witch hunts just happen all of the time. Dude, right? It's like every like 37 years, right? someone checks their watch and they're like, you know, what we haven't had in a long time. Some witch hangings. Right. They and can't they, explain anything, so they just blame it on witches. That's what it comes down to. Absolutely. The Utes claimed to see skinwalkers around the ranch and also on a road to Fort Duchesne and even sometimes on their own reservation. They've actually been described as looking like humans with dog heads smoking cigarettes and that they leave very large animal tracks. I saw that. That people just see like a bunch of dudes hanging out with like jackal heads and they're like smoking Smoking Margot Revs. Yeah, which I have to say, dogs don't have lips. So like, how is that dog smoking right now? No one knows. How unsettling would it be to see an adult man's body with a dog head and human lips? Right. That would be more upsetting than just a man (laughs) with a dog head. The human lips to smoke that cigarette? On a dog head. I'm going to throw up in my mouth right now. (laughs) So I guess they were finding tracks that were animal tracks, but they were just way bigger than what that track should have been. Like, say you find like a wolf. It was like double the size of like what a wolf track should have been. I saw one story where a man had seen a six foot tall bunny rabbit. Oh, cute. Very cute. (laughs) But that begs the question, would you rather be attacked by 100 bunny sized humans or one human sized bunny? Hmm. 100 bunny-sized humans. I don't even know how to react to that. They're so small. They're like six inches tall. Yeah, I would I would rather that because I could just like stomp on all of them. But still, that would be very unnerving. Okay, but a six-foot-tall rabbit? Yeah, I, I would rather take the humans <laughs> size of bunnies. <laughs> same, 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 same. I've seen what a regular-sized rabbit can do to a regular-sized carrot. And I'm not interested. The Ute people actually did not believe that the skinwalkers lived on the ranch. They believed that they lived in another place nearby called Dark Canyon. So they just believed that the ranch was sort of in the path of for them to walk to their actual residing place, which was Dark Canyon. What an ominous name. 
So I want to talk a little bit about Dark Canyon because okay. Dark Canyon is actually, it's a designated wilderness area, meaning that it's protected by the U.S. government. For now. For now. Yes, for now. Hopefully forever. But yes. <laughs> the land is, I mean, it's preserved for wildlife and it's basically just a parcel of land that is just meant to stay in its natural state. I did look up Dark Canyon a little bit. Um, and you can go camping there. So if you're interested in camping in Dark Canyon, I would full on camp with you in Dark Canyon. Okay, so you're going to go camping with me in Dark Canyon, but you won't go ghost hunting with me in like a haunted place. Nicole, I will not go up to this attic if I'm alone. That is insane to me. How are you more afraid of ghosts than skinwalkers? I don't, I just am, okay? Do you know how many things can kill you in the world? There's not even paranormal, just like bears and wolves and so many things. I love camping. I'm a camping girl. I love to camp. I'm a wilderness person. But I'm just saying, for you to be more comfortable in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) in the woods versus like an abandoned house is insane. It's not insane. Okay. We're all different people. We come from different backgrounds. Maybe your background was less ghosty than mine and more camping friendly. Okay. (laughs) But I've never actually been camping except one time in a cabin that was also with you and there were holes in the walls. (laughs) But I'm afraid of ghosts. Okay. And I'm not that afraid of skinwalkers. Okay. So you've never been camping, but your first (laughs) go at camping is going to be in Dark Canyon. Where the skinwalker. Take me to the Dark Canyon for Camp City. Okay, well, let's go. I'll I bring s'mores. <laughs> <laughs> so this land is, it's a designated wilderness area. Mm-hmm. No one's allowed to touch it. It has to stay the way it is, which is absolutely wonderful. Like, I love that. But totally. it leads me to think, or I guess speculate, does the government know something about this land that they're not telling the public? You know, like, yes, I'm all for protecting land and nature. It's just funny that this particular land that is protected just so happens to also be a giant hotspot for paranormal activity. Isn't that just like the government, though? I mean, they true, very like, true. okay, Area 51 is all caged off and stuff because it's a government yeah. research center. Right. Yeah. Is it? What are you researching? Huh? Yeah. What are you researching there, bud? Exactly. Exactly. Never trust the government. <laughs> they know. They know something that we don't. Dark Canyon gets its name for its high and steep mountain walls that actually block light in the morning and afternoon. So it's dark all the time even during the day and it makes for the perfect layer for a skinwalker oh i want to go to there i'm so scared fun fact also if you are interested in diving down a deep deep rabbit hole of conspiracy goodness there's also a whole forum that i have found researching skinwalker ranch dedicated to the ranch and if you go to skinwalkerranch.org that is a real website that's not a fake Nicole said it, so it's real. It's real. Noelle's not saying it. There is a whole community of people who have dedicated their lives to finding out what the hell is going on here. There's a whole forum of people who just like have been there, who talk about it. And there's this guy who thinks that he's found a cave in Dark Canyon where he believes skinwalkers could potentially live. Okay, I will say. He's mapped it out. I will say. 
I will not go into a cave. Caves are scary. Yeah. Caves are so scary. I would camp in Dark Canyon, but I will not go into a cave. Okay. I like, I'll like stand in like the mouth of the cave and be like, hey, cave. You just like shine a flashlight. But I'm not going in it. I can't go in it. I'll probably go in it. Bye. I'll miss you. (laughs) So I guess I'm just, if you're interested in what we're saying interests you, definitely check it out. The info is amazing. It's all filled with weirdos like us. Just like people, same brain, same mindset. It's, the info is a little bit all over the place, but it's all there. So it's very cool. It's like all people's real stories. So if you go to the website, www.skinwalkerranch.org. All right. That's the website. <laughs> Are you gonna, were you going to give them a fake one? <laughs> no. Like you always do? No. Before we get to the Sherman or slash Gorman family and all of their experiences on the ranch, there was another family who actually inhabited the ranch before them. The ranch was first homesteaded by John and Emma Myers in 1905, and they had a small home on the northwest corner of the property. Soon after those Myers moved in, another family called the Locke family, and the name was in quotes, so I'm not sure if that's the real name or just a pseudonym, but they moved on to the west side of the property shortly after the Myers. What's interesting about the Locke family is that they reported a strange visitor to their property. According to them, this person arrived seemingly out of nowhere And this person was dressed in clothes that were normal for the time, so period appropriate, if you will. However, this person was said to have a one-piece sort of metallic bodysuit underneath their clothes. It's described as a, end quote, dazzling blue one-piece from the article that I read. So I just pictured like Will Ferrell in Blades of Glory style. That sounds absolutely beautiful. Right. And when this guy rolled up, who I'm pretty sure is like the OG men in black. Yeah. John was like, hey, Emma, why don't you come over here and you check out this man's beautiful dazzling one piece? And Emma came over. She's like, well, John, that is just the most beautiful one piece I have ever seen. And then they invited the man to go ice skating, but they're in Utah, which is the desert. So then they couldn't. But the man promised that one day he would come back and he would ice skate with them. And I I don't know if he ever did, but I like to think in my heart of hearts that he did. We're going to say that he did. We're going to say that he came back and they all ice skated and it was glorious. But this story is interesting to me because if you listen to Mothman, if you remember, the people of Point Pleasant also recalled strangers dressed in a similar way, always normal clothes, period specific, but having some sort of weird bodysuit underneath. Yeah, like injured cold style. Yes. Or like men in black style. Yes. It's like this weird person that's like, they kind of go to like suss out the situation and just sort of like, what do these people know? Do we need to handle this. Also, the fact that Point Pleasant is in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. This is in Utah. That's completely across the country. Both of these stories, both of these stories are happening close to around the same time. Similar things are happening. What's going on? Is Skinwalker Ranch on the thirty-seventh parallel? I don't know. It's uh, possible. Uh, can I Google this really quick? Yes. 
Oh my God, it is. Did you just look it up? I just am Googling it right now. It says it stretches from Virginia to California. <gasps> Dude, it's... Hugging the 37th parallel is Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, that's it. That's amazing. I'm like salivating right now. <laughs> she is. I can see the <laughs> spit drool like coming out of I'm her I'm so mouth. sorry. It's so gross, but She's I'm so foaming. excited. She's foaming at the mouth right now. Well, see, that's just another thing to this 37th parallel. We have the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins. We have point pleasant and now we have skinwalker ranch and it's all similar things that people are seeing so there has to be something to this you know what there For, has to be forget route 66 i'm over it who cares i don't give a shit i am taking a road trip on the 37th parallel who is with me me who's with me let's pod crawl pod crawl we're going to there so this stranger appears to the Locke family he asks them for water. He has a long conversation with them. And then he just walks off into the sunset. That is so weird. Remember, it is around 1905. And they are legit in the middle of nowhere. So walking away into the desert at this time is just batshit crazy. How insane would that be? Like, could not have some water. And then he comes in. It's fucking men in black. Everything's men in black. Water and sugar. Can I have water and sugar? (laughs) And then he like drinks their sugar water and then like rudely takes the glass with him for some reason and just like walks off into the sunset. And John and Emma are on their porch and they're like, well, he was nice. That was one of our only three glasses that he took with him. Time to go to sleep because we're farmers and it's 1905. (laughs) Right. Now, details of this visitor and his conversation, it's a little murky, but the rumor is that this man told the Locke family where they could and couldn't dig on the property. Really? Which is very odd, and it'll come up later in the story, but that'll be part two. So he tells them, this is where you can dig, this is where you can't. And apparently this information was passed on from generation to generation so this weirdo freaking stranger rolls up to your house bowler hat suit in a dazzling blue bodysuit just the most beautiful bodysuit you've ever seen in your life he's like can i have some water also stop digging and then he like plots out a garden for you Mm -hmm. and like you can dig here and here and here but if you plant red roses i will come back because the only acceptable rose is a peach rose I will fucking end you if you dig on this plot. I will fucking end you. More sugar water. And then he just like fucking skips off into the sunset. Yeah. I mean, the details weren't that he skipped, but I think that he probably did. If he's wearing a blue dazzling one piece. He skipped. He skipped and he liked it. He fucking sashayed into the sunset. He fucking sashayed out this bitch. Also... Around 1930, Christopher Locke, who is perceived to be a grandson of the Locke family because of the name, obviously, he reports in 1930 the first cattle mutilation on the ranch. So this is the first of many, and we'll also get into that later on. Okay, cattle mutilations. I was going to save this for later in the episode, but I want to get into it right now Mm -hmm. because you brought it up. Yeah. And I don't want to use the word love, but they're insane. And I think we need to talk about it. Like, it's bad. Mm -hmm. It's insane. 
So if you are unfamiliar what an uh, animal mutilation is, a cattle mutilation, for some reason it's like usually cows. And I don't know if it's like a wrong place, wrong time thing, or this just usually happens on like ranches in the middle of nowhere. I think it's the ranch thing in the middle of nowhere that is why it's primarily cows. That makes sense. Um, But an animal mutilation or a cattle mutilation is basically where an animal has extremely precise, almost surgical wounds on its body. Yeah. Sometimes it'll be like a weird core. Like it looks like someone just took like literally like a drill and like drilled a hole into this animal's head or they take out all the organs or just like the eyeballs are missing or just like very weird, very precise, extremely surgical sort of like cuts and mutilations into this animal. When you think mutilation, it's not like the animals getting mauled or it's like you can't you can't attribute it to another animal. It's something no. that's so precise and exact that it had to have been done with either somebody who knows their way around a scalpel or possibly an alien. Right. Like the way I picture it is almost like they use some sort of like laser and mm. like very finely like just slice into the yes. flesh. I'm so sorry for saying that. Yeah. It's it's bad if you're i love animals i'm a vegetarian it's it's very bad and hard to read and listen and the weirdest worst part Mm -hmm. is that there's never blood yeah there's no blood yeah so like if you were to um cut open a cow say Right. There's going to be blood because that a cow was just alive. Cow. Yeah, shit yeah. blood. This is like the cleanest sight ever. No blood around, no blood in the animal. Yeah. A lot of times, like I said, organs are just gone. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Animal cattle mutilations especially are fucking insane. And we're going to talk about it so, so much next week. So hard next week. Nicole <laughs> might throw up. Yeah, I don't know how I got the that portion of the story, but we'll get through it. We'll get okay. through it. So in 1934, Kenneth and Edith Myers moved on to the east side of the property. Years go by, Ken and Edith continue to buy more and more, you know, parts of this land, which is a common thing that happens, you know, the more established you get, the more cows you have, the more you need to expand, the more land that you buy. So they start off with a small piece of land and then they eventually expand until they get what they, until they own what is known as Skinwalker Ranch, this 480 acre parcel of land which is a huge piece of land huge piece of land 480 acres is insane insane well yeah um not to probably not to a cattle ranch oh for sure us it's insane that's true during this period so during the period that kenneth and edith lived on the property they never made any reports of anything paranormal or strange now this doesn't necessarily mean that they never saw anything it just means that they never spoke about it, which kind of seems to be a theme when it comes to the locals who live in this area. People see shit, but they don't talk about it. And that's just kind of like a, that's just what you do if you live here, because everyone sees it all the time. It's, it's super common. So although Edith and Ken never reported anything themselves, 
their neighbors in the surrounding areas did. And many other strange occurrences were happening in and around the Uintop Basin around this time, which Noelle is actually going to tell us about right now. Yes. So, I mean, like we've been talking about this whole episode, this whole area is just like a hot, hot little bed. A hot bed. For for all sorts of paranormal activity. Mm. From like cryptids, aliens, everything in between. This entire basin is, what'd you call it? Paranormal soup? The paranormal stew. Delicious. <laughs> so let's start with an unexplainable story that I love. Let's start with the story of Bottle Hollow. Yes. Yes. Bottle Hollow is like a little area which lies right cozy up next to Skinwalker Ranch. It butts up to it, if you will. Ooh, booty butts up in there. <laughs> Bottle Hollow is a giant ravine, and it got its name because people used to throw their old whiskey and beer bottles into it. Yeah. Super cute. Simple. Just name it whatever it is, right? Back in the day when littering was cool. It was so cool that you named a hollow after the litter inside of it. In the 1970s, Bottle Hollow was filled with water and used as sort of like a little lake area, if you Mm -hmm. will. And once it was filled with water, the sightings of a giant snake began to surface. One such story is of a couple who had an unfortunate encounter with this snake. The couple had been swimming in the water while a few other people hung out on the shore nearby when suddenly the woman was dragged under the water. The man she was with claimed she had been taken deep under by a giant snake and he had tried to fight the snake off. When he finally got the snake to let go of her by like, I don't know, what was he doing? What do you, bite a snake? He punched the snake in the head or something. punched it right between its stupid snake eyes. (laughs) And the snake let go of the woman. But it was too late and the woman had already drowned. Witnesses on the shore totally corroborated his story and said that they too had seen a giant snake. Like a giant, I'm talking like 13... 45 feet long like this right. massive massive and in in the book the hunt for the skinwalker they interview it's he is a i don't know if he's navajo or ute but he he's kind of like a policeman for whatever reservation is yeah close to so it could be ute i don't think they really specify but he claims he's like a policeman for this reservation. And he claims that he has seen something slither underneath the water. Yeah. Like he's seen something. So multiple people have seen this giant snake. Yeah. This is like a known right. thing here. Right. So this woman gets dragged under the water when she's swimming. All the witnesses on the shore say that they also saw this exact same thing happen. Mm-hmm. Which, in my opinion, makes it a lot more credible. Yeah. I don't not believe in any of this. No, me neither. I 100% believe it. But obviously, there could have been like a much simpler reason that the woman drowned. Like the man just drowned her. Yeah. So either way, sightings of this giant aquatic serpent, they still go on to this day. So people have seen it for since the 70s, since it got filled with water. I don't know. But we also have to rule out the fact that some people think it could be like a prehistoric thing that somehow survived and is still living. But it was in a but trench it, full of whiskey bottles. Well, it was also filled in the 70s. So this this right. ravine or this lake or whatever you want to call it wasn't 
always there. So the fact that if you're if you're going to say that it's something that is prehistoric that has been living, right? It's that not doesn't like, really work. Not like Loch Ness, basically. No. Yeah, this they created this ravine or hollow, bottle hollow. But if you want to go back into conspiracy corner, maybe it's a skinwalker. That's that's another possibility. Chilling as a giant snake. Another possibility. You know? Another story is one of my absolute favorite skinwalker encounters. Mm-hmm. You see, skinwalkers rarely torment non-Native Americans. Mm-hmm. But for one extremely white family, <laughs> they had just been in like the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay. Yeah. So this family is driving right through the path of the skinwalker on their way home to Flagstaff, Arizona, because they're white. <laughs> When they said that the temperature of the area just totally changed extremely dramatically, like the air became really thick, it was stormy feeling, but there wasn't any rain or anything. It was mm-hmm. just like felt dark outside. Yeah. If you know the what I mean, vibe changed. Total vibe change. It was like we were <laughs> vibing, like on our way to Arizona, and now it's like, wait, what's happening? And now we're not vibing. Like we're not vibing. As this family rounded a curve in the road. A giant, dark, mangled-looking creature wearing the clothes of a man jumped out at them, emitting a horrible noise. Scared the shit out of him. He was just like, boo. Or he was like, That's what I picture he sounded like. Your face? (laughs) That's definitely what he sounded like. I'm here for it because that was just... I mean, that's the noise. It's better than boo. That was majestic. So this scary-ass creature that made the noise... Jumps out and startles this family. So they drive super fast and they're like, oh my God, did you see that? Wait, that's not an Arizona accent. What's an Arizona accent? I think they just talk normal. Oh, okay. Well, they're... (laughs) I love accents. There's no like identifying thing that a person from Arizona sounds like. Sure, sure. So the dad turns around and he's like, daughter from Arizona, did you see that? And she's like, father from Arizona, I did see that. And they're just totally freaking out about this. But they try to calm themselves down. And they just drive. And they're like, we're not talking about it. We're ignoring this. We just made it up. Nothing Mm -hmm. here happened. Get the hell out of Dodge. Well, several days later, the family was awoken in the middle of the night by the sound of drums outside of their house. They all get up. They're like, what's going on, daughter from Arizona? And she's like, I don't know, father from Arizona. What is going on? So they all get up and they're like in their bathrobes or whatever. And they go in front of like their picture window in their living room mm-hmm. and they see three figures large dark and mangled just like the one oh. that had jumped out at them yeah so they see these three figures standing on the opposite side of their fence like outside of their yard mm-hmm. the creatures are banging on these drums and they're just like being really scary and like moving in like this weird wolfman style way right mm-hmm. the creatures try to climb the fence but for some reason they can't so they're kind of grabbing onto this fence and like falling back down. Whoa. And they can't breach this perimeter, if you will. Wow. I wonder why. I have no idea. But the next day, the mother from Arizona reaches out to her Navajo friend, which is very convenient. Yeah. But she reaches out to her Navajo friend who comes over to the house and she gives it a blessing to cleanse the space of evil spirits. Mm -hmm. This Navajo woman says that the three beings that were there were 100,000% skinwalkers. Without a doubt, the way that they're described, they are skinwalkers. And she said that they came to steal the family's life force and their power. So 
I don't know what kind of green juice these white people are drinking, <laughs> but they have this like amazing power that these skinwalkers want. Well, also, like, what did they do? Maybe they ran over one of their friends when they were driving because skinwalkers <gasps> don't. Like when he was like a baby duck and they hit yeah. him in the road. Skinwalkers don't attack, you know? No. Just, I mean, like you said, they primarily go after Navajo people. Right. They don't really attack the whites unless they do some shit to upset them. So I wonder what they did. Maybe. Maybe they're just being white and driving through their land. Which <laughs> I mean, that's a possibility. They're probably too. sick of it at this point. <laughs> right. Let's be honest here. I would be too. Well, the creatures never, ever returned, but the family definitely didn't forget what they had seen. Yeah. Now, there's a man that we need to talk about. Mm. His name is Junior Hicks. Junior Hicks. Junior Hicks. And he collected a shit ton of these stories that I'm telling you right now. Junior Hicks was a high school science teacher, and in the 60s and 70s, he was so inundated by paranormal stories from people around him that he decided to become a paranormal researcher and ditch his day job altogether (laughs) which is a freaking dream so he quit being a teacher i was like fuck the kids i'm all about the skinwalkers he took off his clip-on tie and he threw it on his (laughs) counter and he was like you know what i am done with the periodic table of elements i need to talk about the paranormal table of elementals the paranormal table i like that i like it too and so did junior hicks so he quit his job and he became a paranormal investigator which again Uh, dude live in the dream junior hicks (laughs) while attending a lecture on the possibility of life on mars junior hicks met a man called dr frank b salisbury salisbury spelled like the steak gross (laughs) very gross it's just a meat patty with sauce on it. Yeah, it's disgusting. Nobody wants that. No. Well, the two would go on to write the foremost book on UFO events in the area titled The Utah UFO Display. Interestingly enough, the book never named Skinwalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. This is because Junior Hicks was so busy with people coming to tell him that tell him their own UFO stories that he never had a chance to meet up with Edith Myers, even though he had been given her contact information by hard war. (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) Hard worn, hardware, 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 hardware. Even though he had been given her contact information by the clerk at a hardware store before the book had even been written. The clerk said if he wanted to talk about real UFO stories that he needed to talk to Edith Myers. The clerk had also said that Ken was sort of a strange guy. So Ken as in Edith's husband, Ken Myers. Yes, Ken Myers. The clerk had told him that Ken had been very sort of fussy about where you dig on the land Mm. and that he let everyone he could know that if you, quote, dig in the wrong spot, bad things can happen. So that's pretty exciting. But again, (laughs) Junior Hicks just had all these people coming up to him and saying like, hey, Junior, if you have a moment, I'd like to tell you about my Lord and Savior. Do you have a moment to talk about skinwalkers? The skinwalker. (laughs) So he never had a chance to go search out UFO stories. So Mm. I feel like that's why Skinwalker Ranch wasn't in there specifically. Well, and also at the time it was occupied by Ken and Edith and they weren't actually like going out and 
right spewing their story all around except to this hardware store clerk well i think she probably i mean gossipy it was just like a gossip thing i don't oh, think yeah. they were actually trying to be like hey did you hear what happened on my ranch that's true thing, you know junior hicks collected hundreds of stories about ufos with about a third of the people in the area having a story of their own he believed that a lot of the stories could be explained away with fact but he compiled about 80 that he believed to be true UFO experiences. Junior Hicks tells a story of 30 young children accompanied by a teacher who had seen a large tic-tac-shaped craft tic-tac. just sitting on the ground, like outside of their school, basically. A giant tic-tac just laying on the ground. I mean, think about how many tic-tac-shaped crafts we see. Yeah, well, now, now, yeah, now we see a lot. It's a common shape of a UFO. Well, this happened in 1951. Mm-hmm. So, like, is that what UFOs look like? A version of UFOs, I believe. It's just so insane to me yeah. that we're seeing the same thing over and over right. even now. Okay, so this, these 30 young children and this teacher see this craft just laying on the ground. They see it from, like, 50 feet away. So they're Mm -hmm. very, very close. The teacher ushers the class away before anything more exciting happens and the story kind of ends there. But in the mid to late 60s is when the biggest wave of UFO sightings occur. It's called a UFO flap. Have you ever heard that? I have, yes. So this flap flaps down real hard. What (laughs) noise does a flap make? I don't even know. I'm picturing like a a skin flap or something being disgusting. So the skin flap occurs in Utah, and in a nineteen and in 1966, a man called Dean Powell saw the quintessential Mexican hat style chrome hovering saucer out in the desert, like a sombrero. They're called Mexican hat. Isn't that weird? Why wouldn't they just say sombrero? I don't know. They're called Mexican <laughs> hat UFOs, okay. not sombreros. But they're in, I mean, obviously it's like a saucer type where it looks like, you Yeah, know. it's like what you think of. Right. It's like Weird. a, U- yeah, it's called Mexican hat. Interesting. So this man sees it out in the desert. He said that the craft made absolutely no noise and it just hovered off the ground for basically all of creation to see. Around the same time, a woman called Donna Massey had been up late canning tomatoes. Mm, as one does. I saw tomato juice somewhere else and I'd like to think that she invented V8. <laughs> she did. She was, she's the original V8. <laughs> she did. So she was up late canning tomatoes or tomato juice, whatever. And she decides to finally turn in for bed around 1130 at night. So she goes to her husband named Valda. Val- Valda. I'm obsessed. Valda Massey. So nice. Mm. To say goodnight. And she sees a red light out her window on the horizon. The light is moving west and it's shooting some sort of beam of light at the ground. Mm-hmm. The light changes color from red to more of like a yellow and then a green also as it reaches the ground. She describes the light as looking thick in texture, like she could have gathered it up with her hands. Weird. Okay. Donna calls her pal preacher Garth Batty, (laughs) who comes, they have great names, who comes over to watch this with her. They both get into Garth's car and they start driving towards his light because... They have a death wish. I don't know. <laughs> right. Why? I would be like, yeah, no, we're not. Let's watch it from here. <laughs> Maybe I drink too much tomato juice, Garth. I'm going to bed. I'm all hopped up on tomato <laughs> juice. I've been drinking tomato juice all goddamn day. You want to bring the demons out of me, Garth? 
when suddenly the whole craft flew vertically and then disappeared in an instant as they're driving towards it. Mm-hmm. Donna saw this craft on three separate occasions, and she would also go on to describe this light as looking like it was emitting heat waves. You know when the like the asphalt's yeah, super hot and like yeah. everything around it like looks blurry, wavy? Sort of like shimmery. Yeah, she said it looked like that even in the middle of the night. Ooh. Cool. She said it was extremely light in color and, again, thick in texture like a woolen blanket, okay. which is giving me tractor beam vibes. A woolen blanket. It's just like a heavy, thick light. Mm-hmm. Donna claims to have also seen shadowy figures peering out from the craft, but no other witnesses saw this. Like from the windows? Like the windows? Yeah, in like the spacecraft. Mm, Okay. About a week later, two men called Chuck Thompson and Kent Denver, which I'm pretty sure is a fake name, (laughs) were down at the lake hunting waterfowl when they saw what they described as a, quote, double convex ball of fire fly slowly across the sky, and it took about 30 minutes to go from one horizon to the other, Hmm. which is a very long time. I'm... Did they actually describe it as a double convex ball of fire? I have no idea what that means, but that's exactly what they described it as. I feel like a man named Kent Denver would never say that. Honey, I am Kent Denver, and if there is one thing I know, it is convex balls of fire. Okay? Do not question me. I am Kent Denver, delivering your local news. (laughs) Yeah, I I can't really say that that's wrong. I guess not. A man, I would trust a man named Kent yeah, Denver. Totally. I Absolutely. There's no question in my mind that I would trust a man named Kent Denver. Shortly after, a father and son called Orville and Czar Rudy saw what they thought was a burning haystack out in the desert of Utah. It was around 8 p.m. and the moon had was already pretty high in the sky. So they discounted that this could be the moon or some sort of optical illusion put on by the light of the moon. Right. When suddenly the burning haystack, like fireball, shot straight up into the sky and disappeared into the atmosphere. So they just see a haystack, a burning haystack. They thought it was a burning haystack. Into the sky. Which I don't know a lot about the desert, but if there's one thing I know, it is haystacks. (laughs) And there are no haystacks in the desert. There's tons and tons of stories of fiery orbs in the area, many of which are seen by like more than one person at the same time. I saw Mm -hmm. a lot that there were large groups of people that would see the same fiery orbs. Right. So that's very fun. And also they were seen by different vantage points, which makes it super believable to me. Yeah, same. If more than one person sees it, it's almost, it's hard to deny that it was there. For sure. And just like the school children in 1951, a man named Richard Fawcett saw alien technology firsthand. He had been at Pelican Lake in 1968, which, I'm just going to put a pin in that for one second. Are there pelicans in Utah? Uh, no? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so our guy, Richard Fawcett, was over at Pelican Lake in 1968 when he saw a big silver balloon hanging close to the ground with its string hanging down. Richard decided that he was going to go grab this big balloon and bring it home. So he began driving towards it when he noticed that he had gone about a mile already and he was no closer to this balloon. He kept on driving and he noticed that the further he drove, the bigger the balloon really was. So the closer he got, the bigger it was. Mm -hmm. About seven miles later, he was close enough for his comfort and he decided that he was just done. He was dipping out, not getting this balloon. Because in fact, 
The silver balloon was a perfectly round metal craft hovering over the ground. With a string coming out of it? Well, what he thought was a string was actually a large tube about three feet in diameter. Oh, shit. Okay. The tube was vacuuming up debris and dust and what he described as, quote, gray matter from the ground as the ball-shaped craft silently hovered above. Richard was just like, fuck this shit. Peace <laughs> out of there. And he went home. And I'm pretty sure he was afraid of balloons for the rest of his life. Yeah, I don't blame him. Don't blame him. There are so many more stories about Skinwalker Ranch and the surrounding area that we could go into. Yeah. But I think maybe we should save that for next week when we get into the real meat of the story, which are the Gormans slash Shermans. Slash Shermans. Yeah, that's where we're going to get into some actual stories. That's actually kind of what... Their story is what shined the light on Skinwalker Ranch. Like, we haven't even talked about Skinwalker Ranch yet. We haven't even touched on it yet. That's how much shit goes down in all of this. There is so, so much. And if any of you have any stories about Skinwalker Ranch or questions or anything like that, feel free to reach out to us. You can hit us up on any of the social medias. You can DM us, direct message us. <laughs> you um, just say direct message. Yes. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Quite Unusual Pod. Um, you can also email us at quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. Yeah. If we have any listeners that live near the Uintah Basin or in the Uintah Basin. Apparently everyone that lives there has a story. So we want your stories. We want your stories. Send us your listener lore. And even if you don't live in the Uintah Basin, send us a story about something weird you saw in your backyard in, I don't know, fucking Montana or some shit. Yeah. Or maybe even just your favorite ghost story. If you're like super, super into like some sort of ghost, I want to hear about it because there's so many amazing stories out there. And I want to eat all of them with a spoon so give it to me so i can read it if you like what you hear please rate review and subscribe to yes. our podcast if you go onto apple podcast or like stitcher or like any of those other things um and you leave us a review let us know and we will send you some stickies and then also we'll write you a note um and also i will send you a piece of candy corn because it's candy corn season <laughs> Gross. It's so good. Nasty. I like it so much. I ate a whole pound of candy corn yesterday. Candy, I know. Don't. Corn, so you ate, like, it's like candle wax. Don't you look just, at me that way. It's carnauba wax. Okay, do not be rude to me. It's candle wax. It's so good. Pumpkin flavored candle wax. It's not even pumpkin flavored. It's just like sugar flavored. Sugar flavored. There's yeah, no flavoring. True. I don't yeah. know why I like it. But around Halloween, I eat about 15 pounds of candy corn. I'm not exaggerating. And then I don't eat any more for the rest of the year. So I feel like it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Well, we'll let you have that. Thank you so much. You can, you can do that. All right. Since this is going to be a 19-part episode. Yeah. <laughs> basically. We should probably close it off here before yeah. we dive into anything else. We're not going to read any listener lore. Um, but we'll, we'll save that for next next episode. Yeah, for sure. So I guess... I guess it's time for me to tell you to celebrate the strange. And it's time for me to tell you to keep it unusual. Bye. Bye.